Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy Weiner, and for the third week in a row, I am broadcasting from Israel, where I'm visiting with my daughter and her family, my two beautiful grandchildren. Um, And so I'm delighted that I can do this show from anywhere in the world. I am, uh, as as you know, I'm Sandy Wiener. I am a dating and love coach at lastfirstdate.com. And I want to welcome you to Last First Date Radio. We are a secret show about attracting and sustaining healthy relationships in midlife, and every week I bring you in-depth interviews with top experts and cutting-edge authors in the field of dating and relationships. Tonight I am today, well, it's tonight here in, in Israel, but it's today someplace else. I am going to be speaking with Canada's leading emotional eating expert, Samantha Skelly, and we're going to be talking about using food to numb emotions and keep you from love. I posted this topic actually on Facebook a few days ago and I got so much interest and many, many people are very excited about this topic because this this totally resonates, it rings true for way too many people and I'm I'm excited to hear what Samantha Skelly has to say. I um as a dating coach, I love helping women over forty become the women of value who attracts her best partner. And a a woman of value is a woman who is confident in who she is. Um, She shows up as herself on dates and in life. She doesn't try to play act and be somebody else in order to hook a guy or win a guy over. Um, She knows that deep love comes from sharing from a place of vulnerability, from a place of authenticity, And also she has a lot of self-love and self-compassion. And so she's able to be compassionate towards others. And um, every week I share a woman of value tip of the week. And this week is to be aware of your tone. Now, this used to be a huge issue for me. I worked very hard on not screaming at my children, for example, but I wasn't really aware that my tone was probably just as toxic as if I was screaming. My children pointed it out again and again. And since then, and it's been many, many years since I've parented young children, but I have learned that the tone of our voice matters a lot. So if you're on a date, for example, and you're not happy with your date, you're criticizing in your head, your tone of voice is probably going to come out as bitter, angry, pissed off. So please watch your tone. No matter whether you're on a date, with a friend, at work, know that your tone of voice really matters. Okay, a few little things that I have to give away. One is my free guide, which is the top 10 reasons why men pull away or disappear and how you can finally attract and keep the love you deserve. That is a free guide that you can get at lastfirstdate.com. So when this show is over, if you haven't received yours yet, go on over to lastfirstdate.com and grab a copy. And please join my private Facebook group. If you're not there yet, you should be. If you're a woman over 40 and you're single or in a relationship, 
go over to facebook.com and go to your last first date. Put that in the search bar and uh, ask to join the group. The conversation there is positive, it's supportive, it's juicy, it's wonderful. We talk about everything and I'm highly involved in the group. We have over a thousand members. They are amazing, amazing women of value who are all learning to really honor and value themselves in this whole crazy, very confusing dating world that we live in. Now it's my honor to introduce you to my special guest, Samantha Skelly. Like I said before, she's Canada's leading emotional eating expert, and she's the founder of Hungry for Happiness. It's a movement to support women around the world who are suffering from disordered eating and body image issues. She is an award-winning, sought-out international speaker who delivers inspirational presentations to empower those who struggle with the relationship they have to food and to their bodies. Samantha has appeared on Global TV, Shaw, NBC, and CBC to share her message and her mission on an international platform. Join me now for episode number 254, Using Food to Numb Emotions and Keep You from Love with Samantha Skelly. Welcome to the show, Samantha. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. (laughs) It's great to have you. Such a great topic. I'm, I'm so, so excited to dive in. But before we get into the juiciness of this topic, I would love if you could just share what inspired you to do this work. Oh, such a, such a good question. What a great place to start. So it was, it was interesting. Uh, you know, I never, uh, I never woke up one day and I thought, I want to help women stop, you know, using food as a drug. That was never, that was never my, um, never my intention, but I, I was brought into this work through my own battle, my own struggle with food. I, uh, I grew up as a dancer and an actress when I was younger. And when I, when I quit the industry and I stopped, I, uh, I, I started to, I, I lost my significance. You know, I lost that like felt sense of like perceived significance that I was, that I was getting from the, the industry. And um, because significance is so important to us and we need to meet that at a fundamental level I was trying to meet my need for significance through the relationship I had to food so if I I thought to myself if I could just get thin enough and skinny enough then I would be able to feel this feeling and so that belief alone spun me into this this deep the time that I call my diet depression years where I was on over 50 diets in less than four years and really had no idea how to eat like a normal person had was so disconnected from my body it was it was uh i, I kind of spun myself into into shambles for for a while there and uh, it's interesting because when i was in the depths of it i didn't realize how bad it was until i actually got out of it and i i, I can remember you know finally getting to a place where i just used food for health and hunger and i didn't use it for emotional reasons or for deprivation and I just felt this like sense of peace, this sense of like ease and release, just knowing that, wow, I, this is amazing. My mind isn't so consumed with this obsession and I'm able to just focus on the things that I love doing. And so I, I spent three years in recovery to get to that place. Um, and through that journey, I, I, I knew that I needed to turn my, you know, my, my struggle, my battle into, into my message. And so that was, that was the birth of Hungry for Happiness. And 
my really my over my my overall mission is to revolutionize the weight loss industry by helping people address the emotional weight that they're carrying because physical weight often is a representation of the emotional weight that we're that we're holding on to. But the issue is is the weight loss industry just kinda of tells us to attack, you know, the physical weight and not look at the emotional weight, which is which is of course the driver. So that is that is the birth of, of hungry for happiness. Mm, wow. That is an amazing journey that you've been on. Fifty diets in four years, mm. and and going through mm-hmm. three years of recovery—that's incredible. Um, and that your body mm. is resilient, and you know, bounced back, and um, and that now you not only recovered, but now you can teach people. And I I mm-hmm. so hear you on this. I mean, it drives me crazy the weight loss industry, the the things mm. that they sell us, and. Uh, I've had overweight clients who struggled so much with food and they're always Mm. on the next diet or, you know, hiring a health coach who has to keep track of every morsel that they eat. And I mean, all the shaming and, oh my God, I I just, Mm. yeah, I mean, I grew up as, I was skinny growing up and I I was shamed Mm. for that too. Um, You know, I think for sure. So, right. Like, how many of us escape having any kind of body image issue? And here I am with my with my granddaughters, and one is newborn, so she doesn't obviously have any weight issues or, or, or emotional mm-hmm. issues. And the other one is almost three. And I, I just watch her with this, this adorable, chubby little body that's just so beautiful, mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. she loves her body. I mean, she today we were, um, she may believe she was a car, and she took all her clothes off. We were sitting in the living room, and she goes, "I'm a car." And she just starts stripping. And she's totally naked on the carpet. She goes, "Yeah, I'm gonna have a car wash now." I mean, like, I think we all need to get to that point, right? Right? I know. Maybe I'll do that today. Maybe I'll just take all my clothes off in public and tell people I'm a car. <laughs> Imagine the response. <laughs> <laughs> going through the car wash anybody coming with me or anything yeah. um, I love it so let's, yeah so it would be great if we could all recapture our three year old selves before we before all this mm-hmm. garbage got put in the way right um, yeah, so yeah let's no talk doubt. about <laughs> let's talk about when when it starts and why we do use food as a drug Mm. Well, ultimately, you know, we live in a culture where we're very pain adverse, right? We we really don't know how to deal with the pain that's in our bodies. And, you know, like talking about ch- children again, if a child, you know, falls and scrapes their knee, you know, they run to their mom and they're like, let's, I'm in, I'm in pain, I'm in pain. The mom's like, let's fix it, let's fix it, right? And, and so we, we've always known like, okay, that sensation, whether that's physical or emotional, um, it, it's bad. We need to get rid of it. We need to, we need to fix it. And, and so as we grow up, we have this belief that, that that pain in our bodies is a bad thing and we need to get rid of it. And so w- that, that's the same thing with emotional pain. So we, we feel the sensation of pain in our bodies and rather than being compassionate, curious for that pain and, and asking our questions to really move through it and allow it, we suppress and we numb it. And so ultimately food just becomes a socially acceptable and readily available drug that people use to numb that, that pain. And so really what I teach my women is pain is a divine teacher. It's a catalyst for growth. And if we don't allow ourselves to 
investigate and explore it, we end up suppressing it, therefore missing the whole point altogether. Like pain in our bodies giving us a message. It's like, hey, girl, something's not up, you know, or boy, man, whatever. <laughs> something's, something's not in alignment. There's something that you're not getting here. We need to, we need to uh, ad- address what that is. And, and so uh, food is just that thing that allows us to give us a state change to, to bypass that pain. But the pain doesn't go away. What we resist persists. It just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And eventually it's going to smack us in the head one day. And so my work is really about how can we not be pain adverse? How can we lean into pain? How can we allow ourselves to experience the, the sensation of pain and change of the relationship to it? treating it like the teacher that it is rather than the hindrance in our lives. So when we can get to that place, food no longer becomes, when we ultimately heal, you know, the, the, the pain, food no longer becomes, you know, the drug and we, we can just use food for health and hunger as it was intended. And so when we learn to use food for health and hunger, ultimately weight loss becomes the result of doing this work and it's not the focus. Mm. Yeah. I love, um, I love what you said about pain is a divine teacher. It's a catalyst for growth. I can't agree Mm -hmm. with you more. And we just tend to run away, you know, and just, I don't want to feel the pain. And actually just to go back to my three-year-old granddaughter, she, um, she falls down and she says, I'm okay. I'm brave. And um, Mm -hmm. she she used to cry like crazy, but now she, she's learned to self soothe and she, she's good. And she also expresses emotions beautifully. And I think we also Mm. don't have emotional, we don't have emotional literacy. We don't even know how to express what we're feeling. Totally. That's something that I focus on a lot. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so do you have an exercise you can share, like a brief exercise to help people? Like we're in that, when they're in that space of I, I'm feeling something, but I don't want to feel it, so I want to numb it, um, to get them yeah. to really go deeper into it, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, so three things. So for, first it's uh, presence and awareness, right? Just being aware that this is going on, right? When we use food to, dr- to numb, we, we ultimately put, put ourselves into a state of denial. Like, I don't want to acknowledge this. I don't want to, I don't want to, to uh, lean into this. So when we can be present and, and uh, be aware that that's going on, then we can move into acceptance. And um, acceptance is not complacent with, um, or is not synonymous with complacency. It doesn't mean I'm going to accept it and never change. It just means I'm, I'm accepting what is. And acceptance also doesn't mean you have to like it. You know, I think that's, that's a misconception as well. Like acceptance just means being real with what is and acknowledging what's going on. And then it's about removing ourselves from the identification. So often, you know, if we're feeling pain in our bodies, it's like I am anxious. I am depressed. I am this. And we have these associations and our ego identifies with the emotion. Well, what if, like, what if we didn't do that? What if, what if we just said, this is something I'm experiencing. This is not me. This is just something I'm experiencing. And then we got into the inquiry about it and we asked ourselves, what am I, what am I thinking right now to create this feeling? What am I believing to think these thoughts? And we, we were able to just inquire and ask ourselves about these things and work backwards, right? Because ultimately our beliefs create our thoughts, our thoughts create our feelings, our feelings create our actions, and our actions are the results of our lives. And so the majority of people, when they're trying to tra- transform their life and change their life, they're only doing it at a behavioral level, 
right? Like messing with their food or their dieting or their exercise or affirmations or whatever. It's only on a behavioral level. But where we are missing the point is like all of this is perpetuated by a belief that we have about ourselves. And so the pain that we're experiencing gives us data as to where that is and what is actually going on in our, in our bodies. And so when we take the time to, to ask ourselves those questions, we get a deeper sense of visceral intelligence and we actually know what belief is perpetuating what feeling of pain. And then we can ask ourselves, okay, is this belief actually true or is this something I just inherited from, you know, my mother, my father, friends, family, society? And then once we have that awareness, then we can choose what we want to believe to perpetuate the feeling that we want to feel. So that was a mouthful. So I would encourage people to maybe <laughs> go back and, and listen, to that, <laughs> listen to that again. Um, but ultimately, that's how we, we, we start. That's like the steps is like the awareness, the presence, then the acceptance, and then the curiosity and the questioning of where that belief came from, where that feeling came from. Thanks for the recap because I was getting a little uh, like overwhelmed here, um, but it's great. It's a great process. Um, so then you do the inquiry from the place of curiosity. That's like right. your own self inquiry, right? Okay, I'm just yeah, absolutely. This for the show notes. Um, yeah. So it yes, our 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 beliefs um, are just so important to interrogate because. We go around with all these beliefs that are you're not even we don't even know where where they came from or, or the fact that they're really not true most of the time and totally. you know yep. this is just such important work um, yeah so so um, mm. so when somebody's in pain um, and they they are um, disconnected from their body because they're in pain how can mm. they yeah. reconnect. That's that's a beautiful question. You know, our bodies, although like it, so, let me let me try and take this at a different angle. Being in our bodies for women who've been disconnected for so long is a very scary and confronting thing. So, for women who've been running away from their bodies, they've been numbing their bodies, they've been thinking their bodies were, you know, the the cause of of all the pain in their lives it can be a very confronting thing to really integrate back. And so what we ultimately have to remember is our bodies are the safest place we can be. You know, when we're in our bodies, when we're connected into our intuition, when we are feeling everything, like that is a powerful, powerful. And so shifting our beliefs from my body is the enemy to my body is my safe space is an incredible place just start and I know like the reason why a lot of women um, and men find it hard to meditate is because they don't want to be in their bodies they don't want to be with that pain and and so I, I think just having compassion with with yourself breath is also a beautiful way to connect mind and body head and heart like using the breath using the breath to feel because if we try and like think our way out of it and like logic our way there it doesn't really work but if we can just like take some deep breaths and be like, how am I feeling right now? What's going on in my body right now? What's happening right now? You know, and we can like kind of start there. That's a beautiful place to start as far as the integration process. And I think it also takes time. You know, we've, for myself, I was disconnected from my body for so long and I expected to try and reconnect overnight. And I had to, 
give my body time. You know, I had to, I had to retrust my body and my body had to retrust me. It was just this, it was, it was a, it was a process or a process wherever, whatever country you're from. <laughs> <laughs> you Canadian, you. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. So yes, self-compassion is huge. But what I keep hearing you say is to get present, to be like, stop, you know, being in your head and get back into your body, um, learn to trust your body, learn to trust yourself. I mean, just mm-hmm. all that self-compassion, self-trust is mm-hmm. so, so critical. Um, yeah, and I can, I can only imagine how scary it is for a lot of people to be in their body. Um, and, and our bodies right. are so sacred. You know, it's, it's, we have such self-loathing. And so much fear that we're going to be rejected for our bodies. Um, you know, we, I just listened to a whole podcast about um, sex and, and how people mm. feel about getting naked and, and just the, mm-hmm. the shaming, um, you know, just let's all be, let's all be mm. my granddaughter and get naked and be a car. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm totally doing that today. She's my inspiration. <laughs> I have to send you a picture of her. She's just, oh my god, you know, just do. so much confidence and joy. Oh my god, it's right. Okay, Aww. so um, let's talk about intimacy because that is the part of the topic today, and how using food to we use food to numb our emotions, and it also keeps us from love. So, um, mm-hmm. so how does food keep people from love and why do we use weight as a barrier to intimacy? Um, so a lot of the women that I work with have been, they've had a lot of, um, you know, sexual, I'm going to use the words like sexual trauma, but there's like, oh, and I want to be sensitive when saying that because there's a wide scale, you know, there could be something as, minimal like it, it could be very minimal or it could be you know very extreme and and so depending on the severity women feel shameful about their bodies and um what they're what they're doing is they subconsciously don't want to recreate incidences that may have happened and therefore they use food as a drug so their body becomes a physical barrier to intimacy so that doesn't happen again so they're not vulnerable again and it's interesting because a lot of the women that I work with this is they don't even know this is happening until you know they get into the program they they start working with me and we talk about these things and they're like oh my goodness I totally do that this thing happened when I was 13 or whatever and and so they come into the program thinking that they they have a quote unquote food problem when really what they need to do is heal the actual root emotional wound and and reestablish the feeling of safety in their bodies and we do that through a process called the phoenix formula which is which is what i teach in my programs and that is ultimately how we end our fight with food so we can see the drastic misconception of how the weight loss industry is teaching is, is treating weight problems you know they're putting band-aids on bullet wounds and they're they're selling people quick fixes and and all of that kind of stuff and ultimately that is only keeping them in the cycle so they are only having to spend more money trying to fix the problem and it there's no problem to be fixed there's only a wound to be healed and loved and so when we are aware of what is actually causing this problem then we can really do some deep work 
on this. And so it's interesting for women to to under to hear this. And I and I'm sure for a lot of people listening, they're like, Oh my God, that's me. And and I get that all the time. And and, and so often they've never made that connection in their lives until I've until I've said it. And so it is it is a beautifully like freeing feeling to for women to recognize that and to be able to heal that. Because when they do, food no no longer becomes the issue, you know, and it's just about how can I, how can I truly heal myself? How can I feel more alive in my body? How can I be more expressed? How can I feel more safe? How can I feel more secure around men? How can I feel more secure with my sexuality and intimacy and and all that kind of stuff? And also this alone also prevents women from dating and like really getting themselves out there. And, you know, they blame the weight problem. They're like, Oh, I'll start dating when I lose 10 pounds. You know, there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. that I'm I'm sure have that conversation with themselves. Um, But really it's about, you know, putting yourself out there and healing this part of you simultaneously. It's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people have had different, different types of sexual trauma. It does run a full gamut. And, um, you know, it was mm-hmm. interesting to me when I first started coaching, I, I actually called myself a fashion coach. Um, I, I found a fascination mm-hmm. with how people dressed and how disconnected often they were from, who they really were, uh-huh, and uh-huh. Um, so it's it's all it's so so interesting, and and I think you know, and uh, there was this thing, this question I sent out about wearing black because so many women wear black to hide their weight, and yep. um, they think they look slimmer and they look better, right? And um, and what I what I found was that a lot of women use their weight to hide. It was really surprising to me because weight obviously makes you take up more space. But it also helps mm. you to sort of hide in the background a little bit, and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's so right. It's it's a very interesting dichotomy, um, and you know, and black certainly doesn't flatter almost anybody. Um, it's one of the worst mm-hmm. colors to wear, and it mm-hmm. and it doesn't make you glow and bring out the best in who you are. And so I, I just mm-hmm. I don't do this fashion work anymore. But it, I I found it fascinating, and it just what you were saying brought up brought up a memory about that. Um, mm. Yeah, so uh, there's so much more to say about this, and it's it's so so important. So I would love for you to share. Um, you said you have a program that you're launching right now, or you're it's mm. ongoing. Yeah, uh, you could talk about that, and if anybody is interested yeah. in diving deeper into this work, because it's it's so so important. Mm, absolutely. So. We have a program at, at Hungry for Happiness called the Society, which is our, our, our signature group coaching program, and we launch this program twice a year. And the role, the the, I, the the goal of it is to completely heal the relationship women have with food, their bodies, and themselves from the inside out. It's not about putting band-aids on bullet wounds. It's not about dipping their toes in and just, like, trying it out. It's truly about, like, healing our bodies from the inside out so we don't we're not recreating these patterns of self-sabotage, using food as a drug, obsessively dieting, yo-yo dieting, you know, binge diet, binge diet um, kind of cycling. And so, um, you know, the majority of the women that I work with are just like, 
so ruthlessly committed to their transformation because they're so sick of being a victim to the weight loss industry. And so we take them through a process, um, as mentioned, called the Phoenix Formula. Our tribe is called the Phoenixes, um, which is, I don't know if you, you know, but a, a phoenix is a, a being that obtains new life from rising from the ashes. And I think it's a beautiful way of explaining what we do with, with women in the program is we just, we bring them back home. We bring them back to, you know, their, not, their, their, their essence of, of, of who they are, not, you know, not who uh, they, they, not who, you know, they are from these patterns that they, that are running them. And, and so the society is, is a group um, of about 30 women um, that go through this, this together. And it's a beautiful, beautiful group of women. It's such a wonderful program to run. I absolutely love it. And so we're, we're launching it again on May the 15th. Okay, great. And how do people find mm-hmm. that? So if you go to hungryforhappiness.com, backslash society there is an application form there you fill it out it links to my personal calendar and I will hop on a call with you personally and we will have a chat to see if it's a fit um, the program is by application invitation only to make sure that it's you know a mutual fit for both of us um, going forward so um, I would love to connect and, and, and see if that's a fit for you awesome so it's hungryforhappiness.com mm-hmm forward slash society application society application society application so hungry for happiness.com slash society application that's right yep 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 perfect well thank you thank you thank you samantha skelly for being on the show for teaching us Mm. about using food to numb emotions and keep you from love and hopefully people will be inspired to stop numbing themselves and really get the help that will not be a Band-Aid, but actually heal them um, mm, for good. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> you are most, right, most welcome. I'm so excited. <laughs> and thank you all for listening today. And um, I hope you all go on your last first date and get in touch with Samantha, Samantha Scali um, because she is up to some amazing things. All right. Have a great day or night, and um, take good care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.